Uh, you don't have to stand. Sit down. Appreciate it, though. How's everybody doing? Good. I was disciplined the first service. I was nervous because we're not at three services. They was like, listen, if you don't end on time, we're going to have a parking lot problem. So I said, all right, we're going to get it done. Turn to the person next to you and say, you look good. And say, I'm not lying. I really mean that. Glory to God. Well, I just want to say um, we are. We're family, Excel Church, and Connect. We fam all day. And I don't know if you know that over the last year or so, I went through some transitions myself at Excel. You guys probably heard through the grapevine that I was out and away from the pulpit for a little while. But your pastor in this church had played a major role and just investing in us and helping us out through that process, and I'm eternally grateful. So can we just show your pastor some love? I love Pastor Derek and Stacy and everybody here. You're joining us for the first time. What is up? What's going on? Let me share some things before I get started in this message. I got some letters. Somebody's emailed me something, and they said, hey, these letters came from a Sunday school at a church. It wasn't at my church, and it wasn't here, uh, but it's just always interesting to listen to little kids address God and ask God some questions. Uh, they should be on the screen. It, it, the first letter came from a little girl named Jenny. She said, dear God, please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There's nothing good in there right now. <laughs> I love it. I can see her saying that serious. Uh, Mikey D said this. This must be my kid. He said, Dear God, if you watch in church on Sunday, I'll show you my new shoes. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, Denise said, Dear God, if we come back at something, please don't let me be Jennifer Horton because I hate her. <laughs> I'm concerned. I don't know if I'm baffled by her hatred or the fact that she believes in reincarnation. <laughs> Uh, uh, Larry said, uh, dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms. It works with my brother. <laughs> I love it. Give us some space. Uh, Donna said, dear God, we read that Thomas Edison made the light. But in Sunday school, they said you did it. So I bet he stole your idea. <laughs> Sincerely, Donna. Uh, Peter said, dear God, please send Dennis Clark to a different camp this year. We're going to send them this love message after I'm done. And the last one was Joyce. Joyce said, dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I prayed for was a puppy. <laughs> for real, I'm feeling you, brother. Not no more kids. Give me a dog all day. I can't say that right now, huh? Uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for this day, and I thank you, Lord, because you are always on assignment. And so, Father, I humble myself to be a vessel used on that assignment. So, Father, let your word speak through me. Let it bless the people who are here. Father, we come expecting to hear uh, uh, from heaven. So touch us wherever we are. And I thank you, Lord, because this word that can be sometimes complex will be translated in a way where it will be so uh, uh, easy to receive, like a message Bible. Uh, you will be able to communicate your word where people can walk away with some comprehension and understanding. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. amen. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to get right into it because um, I'm trying to make sure that we don't have any collisions in the parking lot. I know because I've done cause some accidents. Sometimes they'll come and say, Pastor Edmund, we had an accident in the parking lot. And I walk away thinking, man, that was my fault and, and, and over in my church. Uh, but Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 and 19 is the foundational verse. We're going to talk about the love of God today. And I know sometimes when I talk about love and when I mention or when pastors mention talking about the love of God, sometimes people will 
Oh, man, we got to talk about love. I thought we was going to get something deeper than love. I was looking for some deep truth. I want deep revelation. I'm letting you know that you'll never understand what God wants to do in your life and be able to be consistent in, what, in doing what he wants you to do until you get this message. Not just this message today, like understanding the concept that God just has this overwhelming love for you because you can only give people what you have. I'm going to say that again. You can only give people what you possess. If you come to me and you ask me for $10 and all I have is five, guess how much you're getting? Five dollars. That's all. That's all you can get. You can only give the person next to you. You'll be surprised how much we're demanding that people love us. Love me. You should love me more. The reality is people only give what they possess. And if they're not giving you what you want, it could be possible that they don't have it. And until we start spending time in the presence of God and really learning how to receive his love, because the Bible says love comes from God. First John chapter four, we're not going there right now, but love comes from God. And until you can spend time with God to receive it, you'll never have a personal point of reference with it. And if you don't have a personal point of reference with it, I guarantee you, you're struggling to love yourself. And then ultimately you can only give your neighbor what you have. And if you don't have love for you, you definitely don't have love for me. Remember, the Bible says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I, I was, I'm in a love series right now at my church, and I've been joking with them sometimes and just saying, you know, you, you, you're dating right now, and you're looking at somebody, and if they come to you and they say, I love you, your first response shouldn't, it shouldn't necessarily be, uh, I love you back. Your first response should be, thank you, I appreciate that, but do you love you? And most people don't think about it that way, but if you don't love you, you can't love me because you're only giving me what you're giving yourself. And oftentimes we're giving people what we think they want. We're giving people uh, shallow aspects of love. Let's get into this word. How many people are ready for this word today? Let's get it. The name of my message today is entitled, I just love her, dog. I just do. I just love her. I love her, my man. I just love her, dude. I just love her. I just love her. And I pray, pray in Jesus' name that this message makes sense by the time I'm done with it. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. And this is the Apostle Paul. He says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in what? In love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, to grasp how long, to grasp how, how high and how deep is the love of Christ? And look at this. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Look at that verse 19 again. And to know this love that surpasses. He's asking you to know something that he says, listen, it's going to be hard for you to know it. To know this love that goes beyond what you know. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, he puts you in a conundrum. He says, I want you to learn something that you're going to struggle to learn. I want you to learn something and know something that it's going to be hard for you to wrap your mind around. One of the most difficult things it is to talk about as an orator, as a public speaker, as a Christian is the love of God. Because there are no personal point of references that you can point to to say that God's love is like that. Name something. Somebody may say, well, you know what, Emmy, the love of God is like the love of a mother. Well, I, I literally know someone who was willing to give up their kids for crack. So we can't really compare it to every mom because that's not really a true overall depiction because I've seen some mothers abandon their children. Well, the love of God is like the love of a dad. Well, like I said, in my church, there's a large por portion of men and women who are fatherless. 
just left them. And David even declares this in Psalm 27. He says, Lord, although a father or mother may abandon me, you will not abandon me. So God has a way of showing love that people often have difficulty expressing. And so God knows how to be there for you through thick and thin. God knows how to be there. This is one of the most challenging things to discuss because there's really nothing we can put our finger on to say that God's love is just like that because there's nothing. God loves you in a way that is just so absurd that he'll love you when everyone else gave up on you. He'll love you when everyone else quit on you. He'll love you after you done hurt 25 people. See, you would think that God wouldn't love somebody like that because they keep hurting people. God knows it's the love that's going to make you change. He's not going to shame you into change. He's going to love you into change. And until we understand this love, people, I'm telling you, you won't necessarily get your heart filled with love. You'd be surprised how many people are looking for love question, if you're looking for love, are you implying you don't have it because you have to go find it? And if you're looking, I wonder where are you looking? Hello, love, I'm looking for you. Where are you? Are you over here, love? And it's unfortunate that when you go looking for love, unfortunately, most people look in all the wrong places because you're looking for it. Love starts right here in a deep communal relationship with God where you can allow your heart to be filled with his love. And when you are filled with the love of God, you stop looking because you know you got it. And when you get married, you get married to share your love, not necessarily because you were looking for love. This Puerto Rican is preaching right now. That was good if you don't say anything. That was real good. Because we're looking, and we're looking for a car to fill our heart, and we're looking for a job to fill our heart, and we're looking for performance. We're looking for this. We're looking for that. I need to get new shoes so I can feel important. We're looking for something. Everything that we're looking for in this culture, we're looking outside of us, when in reality, God says, what you need is a deep relationship with me, and I'll fill you from the inside, and that love starts to manifest outside. When you are secure, let, let me get into this, Mr. because I'm ahead of my nose. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, look at what the Bible says. The Bible says, this. We love him because he first loved us. So the first note in your handout is that I want you to take note of is this. Relationship is the mirror in which we learn how to love. What am I saying? When you are born and you be, you're a child and you're in development stage and you're formation stage and you're growing and developing, it's no one gives you a book and says, read this. It's going to teach you how to love. Hey, I downloaded a new app on this iPad. Play with this. It's going to teach you how to love. We learn love by watching relationships. And as I watch mom and dad love, or just mom, or just dad, or guardians, or trust, whoever's around me, as I watch them interact and engage, I am learning what love looks like. And unfortunately, when it comes to people, we're not always showing a strong depiction of what love is. And so we give our children and the people around us spurts of love. And so I have some semblance and some idea of what love looks like, but I really don't know deep, profound, bottomless love because the Bible is clear that love comes from God. So I will never have a deep understanding of what love is until I encounter a relationship with God himself. Amen. I'm going to get some of it from you. I'm going to get some of it from this person, and some, but I'm going to get pieces of it. But if I want a whole total view of what love is, I got to look to God because God is love. He's not trying. God doesn't have it. God is it. He epitomizes what love is. I told him in the first service, love got its job from God. If it wasn't for God, love would be nothing. 
God is love. In every other worldview that's out there, life comes first and then love happens as a result of life starting, not in the Christian worldview. In the Christian worldview, love is the reason for life. <laughs> I'm getting too deep on you. Let me get out of that. Let me get on. Uh, uh, but the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. And so the only way that you can begin to give love back to God is by recognizing he's the mirror. I'm only able to love you, God, because you first loved me. So I must stop. Look at this love so I know exactly what to give you. Relationship is the mirror in which we learn how to love. So we have to look at our relationship with God. And since God is love, look at these characteristics. I only gave you a few. The Bible has so many to, to share with you. But no, no, no. Back up and give me the characteristics. Just all the things. Oh, that's right. The flow. Sorry about that. Let, go back to that. Go back to that. Because I talked about this. So God is love, First John chapter 4. And in order for me to be, uh, uh, to be a love vessel, to give the world love, if I'm going to love my neighbor and love people and love my brothers and sisters in Christ and love my family and love my children, if I'm going to love all of them, I have to learn how to first receive love. And, and, and I only can receive it by a relationship with God. So God is love. And as a result of receiving the love, I can now give this thing back. I can reciprocate that love back to God. But ultimately, we're trying to get to a point where Jesus says this. Give me the next one. And Matthew 22, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. Okay, I get that. I'm supposed to love God. But remember, the prerequisite to that is I can only love God if I know what it looks like. So I have to receive love from God first. So love comes from God. And so I'm in relationship with him, but I get filled with it. Now, I'm not talking about a selfishness, not right now, but in order for you to give people the love of God, you have to receive it for yourself first. You will be surprised how many people think that love is feeling bad about yourself. That's not love. That's called shame. And you got to receive the love of God because the people around you and God are expecting for you to pour into their lives love, but you can't pour into someone's life if your cup is empty. So if you want the relationships around you to be impacted by love, you must assume responsibility. The Black Eyed Peas have a song that they sing, where is the love? Father, 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 help us, send us guidance from above because, you know, the world's got me questioning, where is the love? And the reason why I'm challenged by the question is because you are implying that love exclusively is supposed to come from outside of us. The question is, I'm not supposed to be questioning where the love is. I need to ask myself, is there love in me? Because if there's love in me, then I don't have to question where the love is because it starts with me. And so uh, you're going to get filled with love as a result of, you got to love yourself. Somebody say, I love me. What God's love. And I know that's hard for people to hear, but you're thinking selfish love if you think that there's a problem with that statement. I'm not talking about self-centered love. I'm talking about loving yourself with the love of God. And then as a result, when you get into a relationship with other people, my wife is getting from me and our relationship the love that's inside me. If she struggles to get love from me, it's not her fault. It's because it's lacking in me. So I'm giving people what I have. Touch the person next to you say, what do you have? Uh -huh. Don't answer that right now. Don't answer that right now. I'll let you work it out at home. But, but look at these characteristics really quick. Look at these characters. These are in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Look at this. I can easily replace love with God because God is love. This is how God responds to you. But this is not only what God responds to you. Once you learn how to receive the love of God, this is how you should be responding to yourself. And then consequently, if the people around you are pulling on you and you are a love vessel, you're going to give them what's inside of you. So let's look at some of these. Love is patient. So that means God is patient with you. Who told you that God was impatient with you? 
that you needed to do it right now. You need to change today. You gave your life to Jesus yesterday, change today. That's how sometimes people make you feel. As if they, isn't it funny how people want you to give them something that they know it took them time to evolve into? Hurry up, hurry up. It took you five years to stop that habit and you trying to put pressure on somebody else. Love is patient. So the question is, that means, I mean, the statement is God is patient with me. Not only is God patient with me, but have I received it? Because if I received it, that means I need to be patient with myself and stop beating myself over the head that I didn't get it right this time. I'm the pastor of another church as comparable as this size, and I'm still evolving and trying to get it right. So away with this perfectionistic idea that you need to get it right today. That's all motivated by shame. But not only that, now as a result, the people around you have no choice but to get patience from you because you know what it feels like because you're giving it to yourself because you got it from God because God is patient. You understand what I'm saying? That is worth a hand clap. Thank you, Jesus, for the one person who agrees with me. But love is kind. That means God is kind. That means you should be kind to yourself. Every time you get it wrong, stop smacking yourself in the face. If you're loving you the way God loves you, you don't harm yourself. So let's get rid of the medications that we use to cut our flesh and to deal with the pain. Love is kind. You have a love issue. Love does not envy or boast. Love is not rude. That means God's not rude to you. Love is not self-seeking. That shows you that love is not selfish. That means that you can still walk in love and not be selfish because love is not self-seeking. Love is not easily angered. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Look at that. Love is hard to, to try to really walk in love when all you keep looking at is the evil that you've done. Why do you think God can love you unlike people? Because God knows how to separate your sin from the sinner. God knows how to say, I don't like the sin because it's killing your life, but I'm in love with you. And because I love you, I don't always focus on what you've done. The problem that we have as people, unlike God, is that we believe that you are what you've done. And so when you do something, I hate you and the thing you did. That's not God. God knows how to separate and fall in love with you madly and still find a way to help you come out of the thing that's pulling you back. God is good, son. I'm about to kick something over right now. <laughs> I get a little aggressive when I get happy. Love always uh, rejoices in the truth. Look at this. Love protects. Love trusts. Love hopes. Love perseveres. Man, love just doesn't stop. Love says, give him another chance. But you don't understand. He did it again. Love says, give him another chance because it always hopes. It always trusts. It always perseveres. Love says if we believe in one more day, maybe this would be the day. Love has no fear. Somebody pulled me. I got I to gotta make a transition. But love, somebody pulled me in a, in a parking lot, and they said, I wish my daughter would have came, but she has a fear of getting in the car because somebody else got into a major accident, and as a result, there's a fear to want to come out. And, and, and I want you to know that any area of your life that you deal with major fear and phobias and insecurities, listen to me, the solution is not more courage. You have a love deficiency. If I had time to get into 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, the Bible says love, perfect love, drives out fear. There's no fear in love. 
That's why God is not afraid to keep loving you over and over and over because he's not afraid. He wants you to take advantage of his love. We are afraid to love people because when they burn us the first time, we put up a wall because we're afraid if I keep trusting you, you're going to take advantage of me and not reciprocate that level of love, but not God. There's no, thank you so much, there's no fear in his love. He loves you. And we don't study this subject and people are running around thinking they need more courage. You don't need more courage. You have a love deficiency and you need more love. If you had love filling up and welling up, there's so much security when you know that God is on your side and God's got your back. You don't have to worry about you had a bad hair day, but you know God loves you. Your makeup is not going on well, but God loves you. You don't have to worry about how you look all the time, being insecure about what they think, because when your heart is full of love, there is no fear. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Love forgives and then love covers sin. And so with that being said, as the preface of of where we're getting into, I want to talk about Hosea. How many people ever read the the book of Hosea? And Hosea, you got these two characters. Put the two two characters up there. I I want to come over here because I want to point to this cross. In the Bible, God speaks to and through a lot of people. He speaks to Isaiah, and he speaks to Jeremiah, and he speaks to Ezekiel, and he speaks to a lot of people. He spoke through Moses. Many, many people that he spoke through. But, but there were two people in particular that God wanted to uh, 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 not just speak to and speak through, but there were two people that God wanted them to have an experiential of what it felt like to be God. One of them was Abraham and the other one was Hosea. And, and the greatest depiction of love is right here on this cross. I, I know that we hear about the crucifixion. We sang about Jesus coming back from the dead. But this is the greatest symbol of love because this thing represents God's passion for you. Now, now. I want to I want to point to this post and this post, one post representing the place and the pain of the cross. And then this post representing the love and the passion, the place, the pain, but the passion, pain and passion, passion and pain. Here's Abraham in Genesis 22, and there's a lot of uh, metaphors, uh, rather uh, comparisons, typology, shadows, if you will. In the life of Abraham, God says, Abraham Get your son, your only son. And God calls this man, and Abraham is the father of our faith. But God is the father of our faith. And he says, Abraham, get your one and only son, Isaac. But just like he got his one and only son, Isaac, God had his only one and only son, Jesus. And he says, I want you to sacrifice him. You're not going to kill him. I don't need Isaac's blood, but I want you to go through the experience of what it feels like to give up something you love because I have to. You ever have a conversation with someone and you just don't want, you want somebody to feel you. You don't want to text. You don't want to email. You want to sit down and have a dialogue because you want them to feel your pain. I need you to see my tears when I cry. God is looking for men to say, I need somebody to experience what it is to be me. And he chooses Abraham and Abraham sacrifices his son on Mount Moriah. And some of you may not know this, but 4,000 years later, God sacrificed his one and only son, Jesus, in the same place, except it was renamed and it wasn't Moriah. It was called Calvary. Same place. God used one man named Abraham to show us the place that he was going to slaughter Jesus, but also experience the pain of what it costs to give up something you love. That's Abraham. 
the other God that God uses as an experiential to not just talk through and talk to, but he wanted him to have an experience of what it was to be God is a God named Hosea. Hosea was a man that God said, listen, bruh, I need you to go and love on this girl. But I got to tell you some things about her before you love on her. She's a prostitute. Oh, let's get, let's get into the book because I, I, I don't want you to think I made this up and I know it's early Sunday morning. And I'm not trying to kill your joy, but, but it's what the Bible says. And, and let, let's look at what the Bible says because what I want to suggest to you is that that cross represents the place, the pain, but also God's crazy love toward everybody in this room. And he uses a man named Hosea to express this overwhelming passion that he has for someone who keeps looking somewhere else. Oh, you ain't never seen love until you've seen somebody look stupid because you're trying to love them and it's apparent that in the season of life that they're in, they don't love you. Oh, you ain't, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I've been a pastor long enough and before I was a pastor, done counseled so many people where you see somebody and everyone is saying give up and everyone is saying quit and everyone is saying you should just let it die. But, but there's something about lovers. Any lovers in the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not talking about worldly love where you all you think about is sex right now. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about lovers, people who just know how to love with intense love. I'm talking about intensity. Have you ever loved somebody? You were intense, but they were indifferent. You were intense, but they were apathetical. They just didn't care. You were loving on a level 10, and they were responding on a level 2. Is there anybody who knows what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm loving you and loving you, and you're giving me nothing back. I think all the 10s should get together, and all the 2s should get together, and maybe we wouldn't have none of this craziness. But what do you do when you're loving like a 10, but you fell in love with the 2? What do you do when you're in love with somebody who's not giving it back with the same intensity that you're giving it to them? And this is a picture of God loving his people, Israel. And we're going to read a little bit. I'm just going to read just the verses that I need. There are 14 chapters in the book of Hosea. All I need is the first three chapters. That's all I need. And in it, you're going to recognize that God says, hey, Hosea, I'm talking to you about me and my relationship with Israel. But because I need somebody to feel my pain, I want you to love somebody who's responding like Israel is responding to me. And I want you to go through this and, 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 and experience my level of pain of what it takes to keep loving somebody who keeps going in another direction. Look at this story. Hosea chapter 2, verses 1 to 2. 1, 2 to 8. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, he said to him, go marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. Verse 3, so Hosea married Gomer, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. And the Lord said, name the child Jez, uh, uh, Jez, Jez, help me out. I don't see an R in it. Jezreel. Verse 6, soon Gomer became pregnant again. One thing about the Bible is sometimes it doesn't express chronological order all the time, and it doesn't always talk about timelines, and sometimes there's a large amount of time that elapses between verses. This is going to make sense in a moment. Verse 3, so Hosea married Gomer, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. Oh, that's verse 3. I just read that. Verse 6, soon Gomer became pregnant again and gave birth to a daughter, and the Lord said to Hosea, name your daughter Lo-Rohama, not loved 
for I will no longer show love to the people of Israel or forgive them. And after that, Gomer had weaned lo Rohama, she again became pregnant and gave birth to a second son. And the Lord said, name him lo am I, which means not my people. For Israel is not my people, and I am not their God. He said the way that they're behaving is not depicting relationship with me. I suggest to you that these two children out of the three were not Hosea's children. This woman had conceived two out of three children by two other men. Let's prove it. Next chapter, chapter 2, verse 14, Hosea. And I will not love her children, for they were conceived in prostitution. So we know that the first one was his. But the next two weren't. But what Hosea and Gomer were experiencing in this love war of a relationship, God says, this is exactly what I'm going through because Israel keeps committing spiritual adultery and they're chasing other gods instead of chasing me. Chapter 2, verse 14, and because God knows the end from the beginning and he can foresee what's going to happen, he knows when her heart is going to change and start following him. That's why I love God, because he, he doesn't give up on people may throw people away, but God doesn't throw people away. In Hosea chapter 2, verse 14, it says, but then I will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She will give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from her captivity in Egypt. And when that day comes, says the Lord, you will call me my husband. Instead of my master, O Israel, I will wipe the many names of Baal from your lips and you will never mention them again. On that day, I will make a covenant with all of the wild animals and the birds of the sky and the animals that scurry along the ground so that they will not harm you. I will remove all the weapons of war from the land, all the swords and the bows so that you can live unafraid in peace and safety. I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice unfailing love, unfailing love, a love that doesn't fail. Oh, that reminds me, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 8, love never fails. And compassion, I will be faithful to you and make you mine, and you will finally know me as the Lord. And in that day, I will answer, says the Lord, I will answer the sky as it pleads for clouds, and the sky will answer, the earth will rain. Then the earth will answer the thirsty cries of the grain, the grapevines, and the olive trees, and they in turn will answer Jezreel which means God plants. This is the son that was born in the covenant, in the relationship. And at that time, God, what are you going to do with the two children that were not born in the covenant? At that time, I will plant a crop of Israelites and raise them for myself. I will show love to those called not loved. And to those I called not my people, that's the name of both of these children, I will say, now you are my people, and they will reply, you are our God. I just want to say really quick that God knows how to redeem every mistake you make. It doesn't matter what you did yesterday. God knows how to take your wrong and still find a way to make it right. So no matter what mistakes you made, even though you made those mistakes and he doesn't justify sin, he still knows how to take that and still make it work for his glory. Oh, God, is really good. Chapter three, really quick, a couple of more verses. And then the Lord said to me, go and show your love to your wife again. Show love again, again, again. She fell again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her. 
I bought her. Somebody say redeemed. I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethek of barley. And then I told her, you are to live with me many days and you must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will behave the same toward you really quick. This is what happens. And so this man has an assignment and he has to love this woman. One of the interesting things that I love about God is that God knows everything about you and still chooses to love you. Man, let that settle. Think about that. He knows everything about you and chooses to love you. See, the Bible says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 18. It says, with more wisdom comes more sorrow, and with more knowledge comes more grief. Sometimes the more we know about people, the harder it is to love them because I know too much. But God has a way of knowing all your dark, deep, confidential files and still loving you even though he's got dirt on you. And so God says, I need somebody to understand what it's like to be me. Hosea, I want you to go love somebody. But if I don't tell you anything, it's going to be easy for you to love her. I need you to know what it is to be me. I know everything about people and I still choose to love them. And so let me tell you something. Go marry a prostitute. Why, why would you tell me that, Lord? I need you to feel what it is to be me that I know everything about them and still love them. And he tells them to go marry Gomer, and, and she's over there, and they get married, and they have their first child, and it's exciting, and they go on a honeymoon, and oh my God, the first baby, I'm pregnant, yay, first baby shower, yay, somebody just say yay, somebody say whippy, everybody's happy, first baby, and it happens. But all of a sudden, two years go by, and you recognize she's not home, and you find interesting behavior patterns, and she's hiding the phone, and, and, and changing passwords on the account, and, and all of a sudden you get an interesting calls and late at night, but it's not your phone, it's her phone, and you find out she's leaving and she's not coming home, and you find out five years into the marriage she's pregnant and it's not yours. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What, what, what do you do when you find out it's 99.9% not yours, Maury Povich? What do you do? when it's not yours. And then so out of love, you decide to pursue the relationship because you knew that God said to love her and you love her anyways. And you make up and you make amends and you think yeah, all is well and time is going on and we go on vacation and we go to Six Flags and we just think yeah, all is cracking. It's all going well until months go by and you start to get signals of a previous experience and you say, no, she's pregnant again. DNA tests come back and you realize it's not mine. Call that one not loved. Call that one not my people because it's literally not my people. And he goes back and he forgives her again. And this is why I know if, you, if there's tension in your heart and this just doesn't make sense and this just sounds so crazy, it's supposed to be because this is the love of God. And God says, I'm going to pursue her one more time. Hosea, go after her again. But this time her sin has gotten her so caught in sin that she no longer has the prerogative to make her own decisions. She's now on a trading block, chapter three, on the auction block, and she's being sold to the highest bidder footnote uh, for those of you who, who just, I want to be on my own. I just want to jump out there. It is possible to voluntarily run into sin and think it's so fun and it's so engaging and I just love what's going on and, uh, and then over time lose your ability to even make decisions. 
You can go into it making a decision and then be robbed of the decision you initially made, and now the thing is controlling you. You'd be surprised how many children and young people I know that ran out there, leave me alone, leave me alone, and now you're hooked on drugs and something else is controlling you. And so she's out there, and he's going through the community. I can't find her again, but I love her. She's mine. I just love her, dog. Have you seen my wife? I can't find her. Have you seen my wife? Mark, have you seen my wife? I'm looking for her. And then he turns around and (gasps) she's butt naked on a slave table being sold for 15 shekels of silver to the highest bidder. And all the men, she's in some type of uh, sex trafficking ring, and they're sitting there gawking and casting their bids, 14 shekels, 13, I give you 12, I give you 11, no, 15, 15. And here's Hosea being compelled by the love of God to say, no, 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 I have 15, I have 15. And he gives up $15 and 15 shekels of silver, and he redeems the woman. See, had he bought any other woman, It would have been a technical fine fine transaction. But this man was buying his own wife. He was buying something that was already his. This is a deep, deep symbolism of the cross of Jesus Christ. Where God redeems us and buys back his own people that were already his. Give it up for Emily real quick. I I don't need her anymore. Well, I do need you. Want you. We'll work that out later. But Hosea and Gomer, Hosea is the prophet, the pure prophet, reserved, willing to save himself. And he gets married to a prostitute. He is faithful. She is unfaithful. He sees it as a deep, meaningful relationship. She sees it as recreation. Hosea's name means, literally means salvation. It comes from the, I mean, it's tied to the word Joshua where we get the word Jesus. Hosea is actually a depiction of Jesus Christ. His name means salvation, but she is lost. He is a representation of the love of God. She is lost in her shame. He is a representation of God himself. She is a representation at the time of Israel. He is a representation of Jesus Christ. She's a representation of all of us, that at some point we reneged on our commitment to God, that we messed up, that we promised, Lord, I'll never do it again, and we did it again. Oh, I don't know if you've been there. I'm the pastor, and I violated my own vows to the Lord. Lord, I promise I'll never say that again, and you said it again. I promise I'll never think that again, and you think it again. Over and over again, God is dispensing his grace because of what Jesus did on that cross, and it is a sign of the bottomless love of God. So no, And this story is also a sign that you don't have to be a bad person to have a bad relationship. So for everybody complaining about if God was really God, I wouldn't be going through this. God went through this. And love ran. It was preeminent, and I'm just going to pursue them. Number one in your handouts, God's crazy love says you are my chosen one. Because of my love. Remember this, that God knew everything about Gomer and told Hosea everything and said, I want you to pursue her despite what you know. See, most people go into relationships and they feel safe because they don't know anything. The question is, can you keep loving as you find out more? 
Oh, that was a bad mamma jamma right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And this is why shame keeps us on silent and we never reveal our secrets and we never get healed of our past and we never get healed because we're afraid that we're going to be rejected, but not when it comes to God. When it comes to God, God will love you no matter what has happened to you, no matter what you have done. There is a love of God that wants to pour out on your life where you will be received right where you are. The Bible says that while God, while God demonstrated his love for us, that while we were still doing wrong, Christ died for us. He said, I'm not waiting for you to love me because if I wait for you to love me, it's not your standard. I'll be waiting forever. So I'm going to love you despite whether you're doing good or whether you're doing wrong. See, we live in a culture today that dangles the love of God as incentive. And if you do well, then God will love you. The devil is a lie. If anybody has ever told you that, they're lying to you. The reality is God loves you when you're doing good, and he loves you when you're doing crazy. Love just happens to be his standard, and he's dispensing it no matter what we're doing. That does, and if the first thing you interpret that to mean is, does that mean I could do whatever I want? That means you don't understand love. God says my standard is to love no matter what. It's my standard even if it's not yours. And God says, I know how to love people, even though I know so much about them. In 1 Peter 2, 9, the Bible says, but you are a chosen people. I chose you, Hosea. I mean, Gomer, I chose you. I chose you. I want you. And I want you to fall in love with my love because falling in love with my love and you learning how to receive that love is the very thing that's going to heal you of your backslidden ways. Love is what heals, not shaming and beating people over the head. I know, I know you get results when you beat them over the head, but it's not going to heal them internally. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Number two, God's crazy love says, you are my forgiven one because of my love. You know that Hosea had forgiven Gomer because he kept pursuing her. Like, dude, as I preach this, my heart is trying to catch up to the message. I don't know if you, you just heard what I just said. Like, I'm having difficulty talking about this because it's so foreign to me as a man. To see mom get hurt and, and relationship fail after relationship and abuse and trauma over and over again. Who wouldn't want to run? Why chase that? And to have the, 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 the audacity to preach this, I'm like, Lord, help me make sense of nonsense because this doesn't make sense to me while I'm preaching it. And this is why you got to learn how to receive God's love by faith and just say, Lord, I thank you for being patient with me, even though I'm not patient with myself. I thank you for being kind to me, even though I'm not kind to myself. I thank you for not keeping records against my wrongs. I thank you, Lord, for not being easily angered with me. I thank you because you always trust, you always hope, you always persevere. Thank you because you never fail in my life. Sometimes you got to just do this by faith just to have a starting point to walk it out. It's so crazy. It's just bananas. Somebody just say it's bananas. It's just bananas. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. What number did I leave at? So you, you are my forgiven one because of my love. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Number three, you are my redeemed one because of my love. Hosea went and bought her back. 
He brought his own wife back, and this is what God did for us. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, for you know that it was not what perishable things, such as gold or silver or money, that you were redeemed, that you were bought back from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but you were bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He says, I love you, and I want to redeem you. This is why you can't kick anybody out who receives Jesus. And we really want to be biased. Believe me, I've been doing this long enough to have people say, well, why would God? Never mind, that'll get into a whole nother message. People struggle with the justice of God and the love of God. They don't believe that they work in synergy with each other. God can hold sin accountable. That's what the cross was about. And still allow the door to be open to show you some love so you can walk into the same heaven. Oh, God. Let me get out of that. Let me get out of that. Let me get out. Number four, God's crazy love says, you are my reconciled one because of my love. The word reconciled means to coexist in harmony. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself. What is reconciliation? Anytime there's a gap in a relationship, anytime there's a divorce, division, separation, and God says, I'm going to bring them back together again, that's called reconciliation, and that's what he did through Christ. Verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Look at this, not counting their sins against them. I didn't write this. Dude, this was in your Bible before I was born. We struggle to receive it because we're so used to using shame as a method to get people to change. When God says, it was my love know how much he loves you? I feel like the old Joe Cocker. You are so beautiful to me. Son, that's what God is saying while I'm being criticized by my, my, my voice fans over here. The reality is, can't you see? And God is saying, I love you, healed you, broken you, fixed you, crooked you, whole you, sexual you, sober you, cracked up you. I love you no matter where you are. And if you can get an injection of his love, it will fill your heart up to a degree where you will come out of your sin goma and start walking in the life that God has called you to live. Somebody say, I'm loved by God. Say it like you mean it. Say, I'm loved by God. And you got to believe that. If you believe your love, you'll be one of the most secure people. You won't have to worry about having a jump man on your shoes to feel significant around your friends. You can have on jail bobos and be swagging it because you got confidence. The reason why we get so concerned about what we look like is that we're leaking love out of our hearts. And if I know that I'm loved no matter what, doesn't matter. Give me a t-shirt, a pair of jeans, and don't matter. I go walk around naked, but you know we can't do that. Let me end. I got to end. Ephesians chapter 3, last verse. I just want to read this to you. This is what we started with. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how, 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 how what? how wide and, and how long and, and, and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that goes beyond what you can comprehend, it doesn't make sense, but you got to receive it. 
His love is so wide, it covers the breadth of our own experience and reaches out to the whole world. God loves the flags that you despise. Most nations are biased. They think God only loves them. You think God's American? He's that too. <laughs> He's that too. He loves everybody. He loves the people in North Korea, including their prime minister. It doesn't mean it justifies their behavior. It just means that he loves them no matter what. He loves, his love is so long, it continues the length of our lives. How long are you living? If you live to be 300, know that God loves you when you were three and he loves you when you turn 300 with your gray hair and no teeth gum and self. His love is so high, it rises to the heights of our celebrations and our joyfulness. God knows how to party with you. And his love is so deep, it reaches to the depths of our discouragement, our despair, and even death. And when you feel shut out or isolated, remember that you can never be lost to God's love. Somebody one more time say, God loves me. What a crazy love. Oh, no, 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 no. Back that thing up. We're going to say this all over again. Somebody say, God loves me. What a crazy love. And I receive it right now in Jesus' name. Let's give God praise for that right now. Let me pray. Mark, where you at? Come up here. You take over from here. I told you it's a fire hose. Let's give God all the praise for that. Come on, let's give God the praise. Now here's the thing. This might all be completely fresh to you. You might say, I didn't know that God could love me like that because I never thought that I could be lovable. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been through. And hopefully you got the word straight from God's word that that's not the case. It's a lie that you have adopted as the truth, and it's not. It said, what does, it, what does the Bible say? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That what? Whoever's good enough? No, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so maybe there's some of you here this morning who say, I've never done that. I've never understood that I could step close to God, that, that God would receive me if I received his son as my savior. And I want to make sure to give every single one of you a chance to do that very thing this morning if you've never done it before. If you've never believed that God loves you enough to send his son to die on the cross for you, you're wrong. But now you've been set straight on that and you can respond and have your life changed forever because of it. Not only in this lifetime, but for all eternity. So you, I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a minute if you've never done it before. The other thing I want to make sure that you understand is that if you have some junk floating around in your life right now, you don't know that God could love you this much. I want you to, in your mind, do something. I want you to crumple up your old definition of God's love for you and throw it out. Because I want you to say, I need a new definition. And I can't even erase it with a little bit or cross the line through it. It's so big, i got to crumple up that paper and throw it out and make it something new and let my life be transformed by understanding exactly how powerful this God, this love that God has for me. Does that make sense to you? So here's what I want to do. I'd like everybody to close your eyes right now, bow your heads, to give the people around you privacy. I'm going to give it a chance for those of you who don't know Jesus right now as your Savior to change that from this day moving forward because now you understand how much He loved you. He sent His Son to die on the cross for you and me and everybody else here. If this describes you right now, if you say, I want Jesus as my Savior right now. I want to shift. I want to accept that love. Just reach up your hand so I can see it right now. Raise your hand so I can see it. I see your hand. I see your hand back there. I see both of them up. Amen. Amen. I see your hand. Yes, I see yours. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead and put those hands down right now. God loves you that much. And I'm gonna, we're going to all step you through prayer right now. 
It's not the words that are magic. It's the attitude of your heart that what's God look, what God is looking at. So, but church, let's all pray together with those folks who just raised their hand. Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. You love me so much that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I accept that sacrifice. Help me to live your way, not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's applaud those who just crossed the finish line into heaven because of that very thing.